Girls Who Product tells the stories of amazing women to inspire others to follow their path in the product area. This project is supported by Zalando. Hi everyone and welcome to the eighth episode of season three of Girls Who Product podcast. My name is Elena Tisato and I will be your host today. I'm from Italy and I'm from Milan, so nice to meet you all. Girls Who Product is a series of interviews with women that have been able to beat and ceiling and become successful makers, entrepreneurs and agents of change. Our mission is to inspire, connect and empower more people to get into, into product roles. Our guest today is Mihaela Dragici. So hi Mikaela and welcome, welcome and thank you for being with us today. Let me just, so I, if you want to introduce yourself, you can say hi, hi. to everybody. <laughs> uh, nice to meet you everyone. Thank you, um, Elena, for, for the invitation. It's, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. It's a pleasure to, to be part of the Girls Who Product um, series of podcasts and webinars. Um, I am originally from Romania, since you mentioned your origin. Um, and I've uh, lived in London for about seven and a half years before moving to Lisbon. Well, that's good. So let's have a brief introduction of uh, Mihaela so everybody will be on top. So Mihaela is actually a product manager at Volkswagen Digital Solution, and she has a several years of international experience. She started her career path in London, as she was mentioning, as a marketing intern and then turned it into a tech woman. She's a strong advocate for gender equality and inclusive work environment in tech industries. During her free time, she's practicing a lot of different sports to keep her mind and body fresh and trained as well. This year, she will also be a speaker during our online productized conference, but I will share with you more details later on. So we also have a surprise for you. So be ready. Is there anything you want to add, Mihaela, or let's just get started? We can get started straight away. Good. So how did your product career start? How did you decide to turn to the PM role? I guess this, this one is actually an interesting story. Um, like many product managers out there, I didn't set out to become a PM when I was doing my studies or even after I graduated. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's something that I never thought of and I didn't even know this kind of role existed back in the day. Um, and as you mentioned, I, uh, I studied my career as a marketing, uh, marketing intern and then moved on to a marketing manager role. Um, I was working um, in a company called QS. It's a top global provider of international higher education services. Um, but that's, that's where I also became very passionate about understanding more about how our websites were working, um, what systems we had behind, um, how we can optimize our content, optimize our landing pages, optimize our uh, user flows, 
just to create a, a, a better overall user experience for the students who were visiting our websites, looking for education opportunities abroad and looking to join our events. So at that point, I, I moved over from doing marketing for events into focusing more on, on the content on the websites and on the digital side of things. And I started working more closely with uh, engineering teams. I learned more about agile methodologies. Um, so I got more involved into that. And then the company CTO back then, who is actually a great mentor to me still, um, involved me into um, something completely different, something completely new. We were starting a, a, a new area of the business. And we set off to build a, an affiliate network to promote education opportunities. And that was all from scratch. And at that point, I took on an official role of a product manager. And at that point, I realized, okay, this is what I want. And this is something that fits me because I get to use the skills I already have in terms of communicating, creating relationships, negotiating, um, time management, operation side, put them together with the technical knowledge I was trying to learn at that stage to um, create something from, from zero, basically. Um, and after that, I moved on to a product manager role at a company called Awin, which is a top global provider of affiliate marketing solutions. It's a global affiliate marketing network uh, where I worked on very technical products to help advertisers and publishers run um, successful collaborations on performance marketing campaigns. And um, this was kind of my, my progress into product management. It was, it was gradual, it was over the years, and it was definitely not something that I had planned for in the beginning. That's a real good story. That's very interesting. Thank you. So let's go on. You have a lot of international experience and you can speak five different languages. Do you think everyone should have work experience abroad? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I wholeheartedly support um, people's plans to study abroad um, or go work abroad. And in fact, I actually encourage people. I'm part of different initiatives and different uh, organizations working towards encouraging more and more people to go work or study abroad. Um, for me, um, this, this is something that helps you develop as an individual, personally and professionally. Um, I guess going to live abroad has its challenges, right? You go to a completely new yeah. country, <laughs> you have to find a place to, to live, you have to deal with that country's bureaucracy, you leave your family behind, you leave your friends behind. So you need to create um, your new environment, new friends, new contexts, a new network. And it's quite difficult um, at times. But I think going through these challenges builds you up as a person, makes you stronger, more self-reliant. And through living in a different country, you also get to learn new uh, perspectives, you learn about the history, you learn about the cuisine, you learn about the music, you learn about how other people are. So you become more tolerant, more open-minded, more inclusive, 
and it, it changes you as a person uh, fully, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And why do you think your experience in London as a marketing intern has particularly influenced your career? Oh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, I'd say I had a few career-defining milestones. Um, in this specific case, um, this opportunity was beneficial for me, firstly, because I was getting to work in a company that was aligning with my values to empower people grow and develop and reach their potential. In this specific case, I was going to work in a company that was providing um, access to education and to opportunities related to, to higher education. And the second big benefit was the fact that I got to move to London, right? To, to go to a new country, to live in a new city. And in this role as a marketing intern, actually, uh, it, it was funny, you know, you start from scratch, you don't know much, and then you, you end up progressing um, throughout your career. And I got to, um, to do a lot of things uh, from, I don't know, planning and executing digital marketing campaigns, working with agencies on um, content creation, on media buying, paid search campaigns, um, dealing with marketing automation, dealing with lead generation and lead management. So I learned a lot around the marketing side for, for events, um, for higher education. And uh, that meant I had to work with um, people from different countries because we were doing marketing globally, right? So it meant interacting with different cultures, different mindsets, different expectations. And I had to, it was all a very fast paced environment, right? In events, you always have to be, um, keep the ball rolling and be on it, <laughs> as you know. Um, and I had to learn a lot of things very quickly and it was amazing. And the fact that I, I ended up working and living in London was a great benefit. You know, you have a, a vibrant cultural scene. You are in one of the biggest tech hubs of the world where you are up to date with the latest technologies and the latest developments. So you have to be in a constant um, evolution and a constant progress and a constant learning. And I uh, totally enjoyed all of that. Yeah, that's amazing. And now you're currently working as a product manager for Volkswagen Digital Solution, the Software Development Center in London. What makes you wake up in this job? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess a lot of things. Um, I do enjoy working with the team I am part of at the moment. And we have some really interesting challenges to solve. Um, and and I, yes, I always get triggered by, okay, we have a problem. We need to solve it. You're That's a it. It's a typical, <laughs> exactly, it's the typical uh, product manager attitude, right? Houston, yeah. we have a problem. Great. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a job. <laughs> um, and it, it's also the fact that um, previously, uh, in, my, in my previous roles, 
I interacted a lot with um, stakeholders globally, which is something that I continue doing at the moment. Um, the products we are working on in Lisbon mean that we interact a lot with our stakeholders in the office in Germany, for example. So there's always a connection um, with, the, with the broader picture, which, which is an interesting um, uh, thing to deal with. Um, there's a lot of information to assimilate because at the moment we're part of a, a big group. We're part of an enterprise company. And um, on that matter, there's a lot to learn. And I, I get triggered by this. Okay, so there's more information to, to find out about. There's more information to dig into. And um, it's, it's something that gets me excited. And going back to the problem aspect, um, as I said, I, I do love a problem and a challenge and the products we're working on right now and the approach we have is really great because we are really looking at our users and the problems they face and try to get a deep understanding of those problems. Sometimes we focus so much on the problems just to make sure we're not missing out on any important aspect to make sure we'll building the right solutions for our users. And I absolutely love that. That's impressive. <laughs> and you were speaking about global teams, right? So yeah. people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different countries. So what are the factors that enrich a product management team? Uh, wow. <laughs> I guess it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about yeah. people. For me, it's all about the people. And it's about um, caring about the people you work with, but also about the people you work for. And if I am to strictly look at the product team, um, what's very important for me, uh, no matter where they come from, no matter their um, cultural backgrounds or their professional backgrounds. Um, one of the most important things in a product team is to make sure that everyone is heard, is to create an environment of trust where everyone feels safe to share their ideas, to share their opinions, to challenge certain status quo um, situations, to challenge opinions, to give feedback. Um, on a regular basis, not the one-off situation, but on a regular basis. And it's important to create that kind of environment where people feel safe to communicate and share knowledge. Because of this, from this shared knowledge, you get to build great products, you get to have the insights and the information that you need, and you act upon it. Um, and I guess... There's another point I would touch upon here, which is communicating to the team you are part of and making sure that that team understands the value of the work they, they do, right? To understand together that the work we do um, has a great impact on the business and what that impact is. And also that the work we do has a great impact on the users we solve problems for. 
you know and that that gives you a great sense of responsibility and accountability as a team and it also gives you a great sense of satisfaction when you you reach a milestone and you achieve your goals and you're happy about it right yeah. and i i've mentioned these as the two key points yeah that's that's really good thank you and you also speak about spoke about stakeholders and so i would like to ask you now we are working remotely so how was your experience with them keeping the relationship during these times so do you have any tips for anyone who hasn't been able to do it yet <laughs> that's uh yeah that's an interesting question because i guess this shift has has affected a lot of people and has impacted a lot of companies as well um from my personal experience actually in terms of dealing with stakeholders as such it hasn't been much of a shift because um to give you an example um with the products i'm currently working on at Volkswagen Digital Solutions um we deal a lot with the stakeholders in Germany so we have always uh, constantly been in touch remotely so the situation hasn't changed um also prior to that at qs for example i was working with and managing remote teams in europe and asia at awin i was part of a product team in london that was working on global products which meant we had to liaise with business stakeholders across europe north america latin america so i've actually had a lot of experience over the years in working remotely with stakeholders uh, and i didn't feel that much of an impact at the moment um but i've learned a lot over the years and i think some of the the points i could highlight here would be around reaching agreement with your stakeholders around the communication channels i think that's very important to um align on okay what channels are we going to use to communicate on a daily basis to communicate important information to give regular updates and make sure those channels are not too many because then you get lost in the software you use and the platforms you use and you risk losing information which leads to a lot of overhead afterwards so um to keep it short is agree on the communication channels and keep those channels to a minimum and at the same time it's about knowing your stakeholders very well knowing who you should be keeping in touch on a regular basis knowing who should who you should inform uh on a much higher generic level um because maybe you don't want to bombard with daily or weekly updates someone who is um at the senior management level and only needs a monthly updates on the progress of your of, of your project of your initiative um another point that i think it's very important is to make sure that the way you communicate is very straightforward is very clear it's very concise and adapted to the stakeholders you're working with um for in 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 my case over the years uh we've worked with stakeholders from different departments anything from sales to finance 
um, technical side of things, um, even HR at some, at some points in some cases. So every time you communicate with these different stakeholders, you need to make sure you're, uh, you adapt your message and your communication and the information you, you, you send them to them and their knowledge and their interests and their needs because you can't really communicate something super techy to someone who works in um, client services but deals with the sales part. Um, and another one, which is obvious for many, but sometimes it gets overlooked, is around being mindful of time zone differences. <laughs> um, working across regions is sometimes challenging when it comes to setting up meetings, or when it comes to um, direct communication. So you need to always be careful of, okay, I need to make sure if I set up a meeting, it's not bedtime for someone in Asia, <laughs> or it's not like 5 a.m. for someone in Brazil, or it's not lunchtime for someone in Germany. And sometimes that takes a lot of time and it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Um, it goes the same with sending a message and expecting an instant response. Make sure that the person you've messaged is not on a completely different time zone and for them it's 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. and you're sitting in front of your laptop waiting for a response because you're not gonna get it until the next day. Yeah, <laughs> time zones I, I think, are important. I think this part is, is really important. A lot of people acknowledge it, but in many cases we overlook it. Yeah. Yeah, it's because you know it, then you go just straight away. <laughs> yes, exactly. And when you don't do PM work, you actively promote and advocate for inclusive work environments and more opportunities for women in technology. As a woman, do you think the inclusive work market still needs to improve? Uh, I think the obvious answer to this is yes. I strongly consider that. Um, actually, there's an interesting um, thing I wanted to mention tomorrow. It's the first ever equal pay day initiated by the UN. Mm. And I think that's a very important um, news. Yeah. Um, I, I've been involved in a lot of initiatives around encouraging and supporting more women to start careers in technology or to progress in their careers in technology. Um, over the years, I was involved in Girls in Tech London, for example, initially as a marketing director, then as an advisory board member. And we were organizing a lot of workshops, um, conferences, boot camps, webinars, um, to give more women ac access to information and opportunities around working in tech. Um, in Lisbon, the same. I started working with different organizations like Clean In um, around webinars. Again, mostly helping women to deal with the current landscape challenges, you know, in finding a job, in negotiating a salary, and so on. And I strongly believe that there's still a lot more to do. Um, if you look at the, it's, it's an interesting topic. If you look at the World Economic Forum, the Global Gender Pay Gap Report from 2020, you will see that over the years, since 2006, there's been a, a gradual increase 
actually no, a gradual decrease in the uh, gender pay gap, but it's minimal. And in the same report, they actually mentioned that it would take 250, over 250 years to close the gender gap, wow. which is <laughs> outrageous. Um, and I think that beyond the initiatives that governments are now taking, companies are now taking, organizations are now taking, everyone is involved in a lot of initiatives around closing the gender gap. Um, I think all of us have a responsibility to work towards that. And if we can do it, we should do it. And I encourage everyone to get involved. I'm a big advocate of that. Yeah, and so speaking about you, what are you still doing to empower women in the tech world? So what are your actions right now? Uh, quite a lot, actually. Um, to be honest, I was fortunate to benefit from great contacts, great mentors, people who helped me progress along the way and at this stage in my life I am um, very much keen on using my expertise, my knowledge, my contacts in helping more women get into tech and progress in their careers. Um, as I mentioned I, I got involved in a lot of initiatives in Girls in Tech London. Um, I'm currently getting involved in uh, quite a few initiatives in, um, in Lisbon, in Portugal. Um, even um, participating in this talk for me is a great opportunity to try and encourage more, more women and more people to get into technology, to get into product management or any other tech roles. Um, another, another thing I've been actively doing over the years was one-to-one -one mentoring, especially with women professionals who are looking for a career change from non-tech roles into tech-related roles. Um, and that's been uh, quite rewarding so far. I'm learning a lot from the experience and I've also helped uh, quite a few people along the way, which, which is a great satisfaction for me. Yeah. And this year you're in the top three of Portuguese Women in Tech Award 2020. So how important do you think it is? Uh, the fact that I'm in the top three or the awards overall? Because <laughs> I think from my perspective, both are important. I'm actually very happy uh, to be one of the finalists. Uh, and I'm also very humbled uh, for the nominations and the votes I received from my colleagues and my extended network as well. Um, for anyone who is on the call and who doesn't know what the Portuguese Women in Tech Awards are, um, they're a set of awards initiated by the Portuguese Women in Tech Organization uh, to reward women for their work in the tech field and for their achievements in their tech field. And to go back to your question, I think they're essential. Uh, such awards are very important for rewarding women for their involvement and their achievements. And at the same time, to raise awareness around the importance of having more women working in technology by showcasing role models that can serve as inspiration. 
So you get to encourage more women to join the, the, the industry. That's, that's a great initiative. And speaking about technology and innovation, digitalization, so when you have to deal with these things, you have to deal with coding. So you said a funny thing in one of your articles about coding and that you said it's like a language to learn. Can you comment on that? Yes, um, I guess it comes from a person that has been studying foreign languages since five years old, six years old. Um, it was always like, oh, I'm trying to learn French or English or Spanish, now Portuguese. Uh, and I end up working in a field where I actually need to learn how to code. <laughs> um, on a more serious note, I think it's very important for a product manager to understand an engineer's language. Um, you need to understand the technology that the teams you work with are using, how a product is built from a technical perspective. Um, you need to understand the terminology that, it, uh, that is used by the engineers. Um, and that's mostly because you need to have healthy conversations um, and be able to make decisions. And you cannot make those decisions if you don't understand what your engineers are talking about, right? Yeah, um, it's I the think, communication you were talking about inside the team, so. Exactly. Um, and you, you cannot, um, I think it's very important to understand what they're talking about. And it's also very important how you approach the learning process towards that. And um, from the perspective of a person with zero technical background, uh, I can share a bit of how I did it, uh, which is around, hey, I don't understand this. Can you please explain it to me? Can you please teach me? And I think it's very important to reach a stage where you can be comfortable enough to say that you don't know and ask for people to help you out. Um, for me, it was uh, a learning curve and a process. It, it, it happened over the years. It didn't happen overnight. Um, but I, I can proudly say I do understand the engineers at the moment. We can have healthy conversations. I can give you a specific example. A few years ago, I had no idea what APIs meant, right? I was like, okay, what is that? What are we talking about? And now I can easily have a conversation about get requests and pull requests and post requests and, and know what they mean and how our services are built and so on. And for me, it was also a, a sense of achievement that I managed to, to understand this terminology, to understand what my, my teams need and how we can work together. Um, and I didn't get stuck onto, okay, I don't know tech, I, I, I can't learn it and that's it. And I was very curious about um, always learning more and um, I, I, not necessarily reaching a proficiency level, but at least a, a certain degree of fluency, if you were <laughs> to talk from a language perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really important. That's important. It, and it is definitely key for a product manager, yeah. and especially if you don't come from a technical background. Yeah, it's important to be able to communicate. 
And so you will be the speaker during the productized online conference 2020. Would you like to give our audience some more details about it? Yes, sure. Um, so uh, my talk will actually be about outcome-driven product development versus feature-driven product development um, and how we're using it um, and trying to implement it in a big enterprise level, um, how this is helping us to build great products and also the challenges we are facing along the way in terms of implementing this in a big company. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the talk. Uh, I'm also very much looking forward to the conference overall. There's a great lineup of speakers. There are some very interesting topics that I'm keen to, to hear. Um, things around um, user validation and user research, product growth strategies. There's also a very interesting workshop that I'm actually seriously considering joining uh, around conflict resolution. Um, so yeah, overall, I'm, I'm very keen on, uh, on joining the conference and I encourage everyone to participate. So speaking about that, we have a great surprise for you all. And we have a promo code that's uh, a 20% discount across all our tickets. So we will share in the chat the, the promo code and the link where you can buy the tickets and you can use the promo code Mihaela20 to get your slot in the conference and listen to Mikaela again. So, Mihaela, I feel honored. I have my own promotional code here. <laughs> Those <laughs> are achievements. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. And would you like to give some advice to those people that may want to start a career in this area or have to start it from the beginning? My advice to aspiring product managers. Yeah. I think firstly, it's about trying to understand what the role is all about, what the responsibilities are and what skills are required. Uh, and then deciding whether this role is a fit for, for you and for your professional background or for your personality. Um, you can do that by finding people who uh, already have experience as product managers and ask them about their roles and ask them for more input and for more information. Or approach would be go in your company, find the product managers in your company and ask them, hey, can I work with you for a week or two? Um, can I shadow you for a while? I would just like to understand what you do on a daily basis, what you are dealing with, the challenges you have, the successes you have, to see if this is a fit for me. And if this role is a fit, then just go about understanding if you have the right skills for it, or if there are skills that you need to gain or brush up upon, and go for it, you know, plan it and, and stick to your goals. Um, another important thing would be um, around connecting with people, connecting with networks of 
in this specific case, product managers uh, with groups of product managers, trying to, to create relationships with them, get more information from them, find mentors. Um, it, it's always very important to, to have these connections um, in the specific field you want to, to get into or you're already working in. That's a very good advice. Thank you very much. So now let's go and let's start with the question from our attendees. So we have one question from the USA, from Juan Gobeya. I don't know, I'm sorry if I don't spell it properly. So the question is, as a product manager, how do you decide what to do and what not to do? So how do you assess the importance the importance and the urgent. So how do you prioritize? Well, I guess that's, uh, that's one of the key things we, we have to do, right? What to do and what not to do, what to build, what not to build. Um, it's for me personally, um, and from my experience over the years, it's a matter of collecting as much information as possible gaining as many insights as possible, um, quantitative data, qualitative data, um, business perspective, user perspective, insights from your stakeholders, um, use all, all this gathered information to make your decisions. Um, that's one sign on the, on the second level is talk to your team discuss things with your team, discuss things with your designers, with your engineers and everyone else involved in that specific product to reach decisions together. What I've learned is that it is very important to get everyone's input in making those decisions and getting the information you need in making those decisions. Sometimes it's not the best thing to make decisions on your own but actually get information from different perspectives, areas of expertise and so on to make the decision. Um, sometimes it comes down to instinct as well, but um, I would say mainly rely on the information and the data and on the input you get from the different areas of the business and the people you work with. Well, thank you. And we also have um, a question from Portugal from Alexandra Ferreira. So how and why do you decide, did you decide to move to Lisbon? That's an easy one. <laughs> so, I mean, I moved, I moved from London and I think that the answer is self-explanatory. Um, to give more detail, I came to Lisbon many years ago on a holiday and after that, I kept coming to Lisbon every year on holidays or for work or for different events. And I kept exploring the city and I felt that um, I'm more and more connected on a personal level to the place and that it could be a great place for me to, to explore and live in. And connected to, the, to this thing, we have Diego Alonso from Spain that would like to ask you, what is your favorite food type and place? 
Uh, that's very hard to choose. Be careful I think because this I'm Italian. <laughs> exactly. And I think this is the hardest question to answer. And I will not give an answer to it. Um, I actually appreciate food from um, coming from different corners around the world. And I love this part of exploring different cuisines around the world and different countries and different cultures. And I think that each culture has um, it, its great aspects and its pluses. And I've always learned a lot from everywhere I've traveled to and everywhere I've lived. And also that is why it is very difficult to decide what my top favorite is because I have a lot of top favorites. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> So, do you have any books recommendation, podcasts, articles, more information that may be interested for interest for your for your audience? I have a few actually. Um, these are I, I mean I have a lot, but what is top of mind at the moment would be delivering happiness. Um, written by Tony Zeich. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, so don't take this as the final name. It's called Delivering Happiness. It's a book about the Zappos company and their business and how they started it and how they grew the company to then sell it to Amazon for millions of dollars. But mostly it is about how to build a company culture where the employees thrive and where your customers are happy. Um, it's one of my favorite books. And I think that there would be people listening to me right now who would smile and say, oh my God, she goes again about this. Um, a very, uh, another very good one that I totally enjoyed reading was called Hooked by Mir Eyal, um, it, where it talks about uh, the modern technologies and the games, apps, and the software that we currently use, like from email to the social media platforms, and how they were built and conceived to catch our attention and then to get us addicted to them, to keep coming back and back and back to them. And from a product management perspective, I think that is a, a really interesting book to read because it gives you quite a few tips and insights on. Um, on things to look at from the perspective of how um, users behave and um, how to use the information at hand to build your products. Well, thank you for the advices. So, and I don't know if there is any other question, last minute question that some of our attendees wants to, to ask you in the Q&A or just looking at the chat. Yeah. No, I don't think, I think you were like super clear. So I think you cover all the points that maybe some, I don't know, doubts or something. So Michaela, thank you again for your time, for for being with us, for answering all our questions. And also thank you for all of you that stayed connected till now. 
And do not forget to register to our next Girls Who Product post podcast with Annabella Cesario, the dire direction or director of product operations at OutSystems that will be held next Thursday, 24th uh, at 7 p.m. same time. So thank you again, everybody. Thank you again, Mihaela. And keep supporting girls in the tech world. Thank you for the invite, Elena. Uh, and see you all at Productize. See you all at Productize. Yeah. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Bye. Have a good evening. Bye.